Well, good morning. It's weird to see masks and just eyes, but that's what we're used to today. I am, uh, and I'm so thankful. Dean Still, thank you for the opportunity to be up here to the preaching staff and to the whole faculty. Thank you for um, seeing in me what I think that maybe I don't always see in myself. And thank you for this opportunity. I must admit there is a little bit of a holy fear probably being before you. Um, a lot of great women and men have stood behind this pulpit. Uh, so I think there's a certain level of holy reverence knowing who I have listened to from those seats. Um, but there's also a subtle, maybe not so subtle, humility and assurance knowing that though I am inexperienced, my God's not inexperienced, and when we open God's word, it never returns void. Amen. And I have great confidence in that this morning. So though I am young, our God is able to speak to us this morning. So how well do you think you know the faculty here at Truett? Do you think you could recognize the faculty at Truett based only on their voice? If you were at a grocery store and across the other aisle you heard the voice of Dr. Alcantara, would you know that it was Dr. Alcantara? Well, I sometimes preach for students, and so I'm going to start with a game this morning, and we're going to find out just how well you can recognize the voices of your Truett faculty this morning. So, you don't have to close your eyes because you can't see anything. I'm going to play three short clips of different faculty members here at Truett, and the game is simple. Who is it? So let's start with, I hope this works, let's start with voice number one. Can you recognize which Truett faculty member this is? Question for you. Have you ever received a present, perhaps a Christmas present? Okay, I didn't have to play that for very long. That's an easy one. Who is that? Dr. Still, that is our beloved Dean Still. That one was easy. But it's amazing. You can recognize Dr. Still even without seeing him, just based on his voice. Let's go to number two. He's here this morning. This compares it to seed growing. And, and, and it's inconspicuous. The kingdom of God, it's, it's hidden for a while. This image contrasts with the preaching of John the Baptist. Oh my goodness, do you know who that one was? That is Dr. Garland from a sermon that you preached back in 2014. That, it's amazing what you can find on the internet, truly. Awesome, let's do one, let's do one more. This one might give it away based on the thematics of the topic, too. Several respects. One, now why do we compartmentalize that these are the people that do missions and these are the Ooh, people missions. that do church? Oh, and that's a curse word at Truett. Who is that? That is Dr. Stroop. Very good. What a simple game, but what a fun game. But it's amazing. It's amazing how we can recognize our Truett faculty based only on their voice. And this morning, as Elliot read, we're going to be in Mark chapter 10. And we're going to see a story about a man named Bartimaeus who recognized Jesus as the Messiah without actually seeing him. He recognized Jesus as the Messiah without actually seeing him. And what the text is going to show us this morning is that the reason that Bartimaeus was able to fully recognize who Jesus was was because Bartimaeus recognized that he had a need and Jesus was the only one who could meet that need. 
And it was by recognizing his own need that it allowed Bartimaeus to rightly recognize who Jesus was. Main theme, because I've been in preaching class. Here it is. Our confession of need. Our confession of our need is our expression of worship. When we confess that we have need, we are rightly confessing and expressing that Jesus is Lord. Mark chapter 10, every story begins with context. Verse 46, if you'd read with me, I hope you have your Bibles and I hope that you leave them open for our entire time together. Mark chapter 10, verse 46. And they came to Jericho, and as he was leaving Jericho's with his disciples and a great crowd, comma. Context. When I think of Jericho, I don't know about you, I think of Veggie Tales, and I think about uh, a bunch of vegetables, peas and broccoli and tomatoes, which I'm not sure if that's a vegetable. Did anyone ever think that? Okay. So, peas, broccoli, tomatoes marching around the walls of Jericho. That's Old Testament Jericho. This is New Testament Jericho. And Jesus and his disciples are leaving New Testament Jericho. It was a, um, it's about an 18 mile trip from Jericho to Jerusalem where Jesus and his disciples are on his way to. We know the end of the story. So we know that he is on his way to his death. He has already been predicting and telling his disciples, I am going to die. It was a 3,500-mile climb. Oh, my goodness, my goodness. A 3,500-foot climb from Jericho to Jerusalem. Jesus, at the beginning of our story, is beginning one of the most important journeys of all of human history. His journey to Jerusalem for the final time to die on the cross. What an event. And how strange is it that Mark interrupts such an amazing event with another story of a blind man being healed. A little flag. Why interrupt such an amazing story with another story of a blind man being healed? It's kind of like when you're watching your favorite TV show and just when things are getting good, we'll be right back after this commercial break. Oh, come on, like it was getting so good. And it's just like they know as soon as it gets good, let's show you this commercial. We have an interruption in one of the most incredible journeys of all time about another blind man being healed. Why does Mark give us this story? Let's keep reading. If you look back at verse 46, and they came to Jericho, and as he, Jesus, was leaving Jericho with his disciples and a great crowd, Bartimaeus, a blind beggar, the son of Timaeus, was sitting by the roadside. A couple interesting things right off the bat. First off, the fact that we have Bartimaeus' name is fascinating. If you survey the entire book of Mark, and really the entire, all four Gospels, depending on how you count, Bartimaeus is the only person who is healed by Jesus who we have his name of. Think about it. Normally, it is just the lame man who is lowered through the roof. Just a lame man. Or the bleeding woman. It's just a woman. But in Mark chapter 10, Mark gives us Bartimaeus's name. Now the name Bartimaeus, for us who have been with Dr. Tucker and we have done Hebrew, we know that Bar, son, Timaeus, Bartimaeus is the son of Timaeus. But if you notice in verse 46, Mark, who's writing primarily to a Gentile audience, he says, Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus. It's redundant to us as seminarians, but to Mark's audience, it was just helpful. 
Timaeus means son of honor, son of someone who's valued. How interesting is that going to be as we read this story? Bartimaeus' name was son of high value. A blind beggar, son of high value. But Bartimaeus' name is not really the focus of this story. The focus of this story is that Bartimaeus was blind. Bartimaeus, all day, every day, if you would allow me, would sit and beg all day, every day. It's all that he could do. And that is what Mark wants us to know about Bartimaeus is that he understood what it meant to fully rely on the help of another. Bartimaeus could do nothing on his own. He couldn't work. He couldn't provide for his family. He couldn't make money to them buy food. Bartimaeus fully understood what it meant to rely on another. Hmm. Verse 47, if you'd look with me. And when he... Bartimaeus heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth. He began to cry out and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. All day, every day, Bartimaeus would sit in the dust and he would hear footsteps going by. Footsteps going by. But then this day, this day was different. This day, Bartimaeus heard a lot of footsteps coming, and there was a great buzz. And I'd have to imagine that as Bartimaeus, blind, begins to ask those who are next to him, who, what, what's going on? Who's, who's coming? It's, it's Jesus. Jesus, the, you mean the one who made the lame man walk? The one who stopped the woman's bleeding? The one who made blind people see? Wait, the one... The one who made blind people see. The one who makes blind people see. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. This is the one who can meet my greatest need. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Shut up, Bartimaeus. Look, shut up, Bartimaeus. Verse 48, he's immediately faced with opposition. What does Bartimaeus shout out? He shouts out, son of David. We know a very messianic title for the one who would come and save the people of Israel. But what's fascinating about the gospel of Mark is that Bartimaeus is the first person in the entire gospel to recognize Jesus as the Messiah. Put in a sermon phrase, Bartimaeus is the first one to see Jesus as the Messiah, though he could not see. So what was it about Bartimaeus that allowed him to recognize Jesus as the Messiah, though he could not even see Jesus as the Messiah? Our confession of need is our expression of worship. The text shows us at the beginning of recognizing Jesus as the Messiah, then the day of your salvation and now, today, the key to recognizing Jesus as the Messiah is humbly acknowledging that he is God and I am not. And Bartimaeus got that because he knew what it meant to live a life that relied on the help of another. But Bartimaeus, shut up! You're a nobody! 
Bartimaeus, you're just another blind man. No one wants to hear from you. Jesus, I promise, Bartimaeus, does not want to hear from you. Sometimes, in our most faithful approach and pursuit of Jesus is when we are faced with some of the greatest opposition. Have you ever noticed that in your life? The moment when you seem to be trying to pursue Jesus so faithfully is when you just get hit with, with struggle. You get hit with disaster. The, the, those around you begin to question you. Why are you doing it? Sometimes our most faithful following of Jesus is met with some of the greatest opposition. I love Baylor football, and I was at the game on Saturday, and it was incredible. But one of my favorite players on the Baylor football team is a guy by the name of Tyquan Thornton. Tyquan caught the third catch, the third touchdown, which ended up being the game-winning touchdown on Saturday. But Tyquan Thornton is arguably Baylor's best wide receiver. And if you've watched the entire season of football, and this goes for any sport, Tyquan, being the best wide receiver, often gets double-teamed by defenses. Why? Because he poses the biggest threat to what the defense wants to do, which is stop the offense from moving the ball forward. I wonder, I wonder if Satan in his schemes often double teams, if you will, those Christians who are most faithfully opposing what he wants to do on this earth. Jesus said it this way, you will be hated because they hated me first. So this is a sermon in itself, but if you are in a place today where you feel like you are just constantly being opposed by the world, perhaps Satan is double-teaming you. But then the flip side of that, if in your Christian walk, you find that you are able to just breeze by without ever facing opposition, and man, this is a convicting word from my own heart, are we actually posing a threat to Satan? We all leave today needing to be double-teamed by Satan. Bartimaeus certainly would. So Bartimaeus cries out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And the crowd says, shut up, Bartimaeus. No one wants to hear from you, but that does not stop Bartimaeus. Verse 48, if you look with me, it says, and many rebuked him, Bartimaeus, telling him, to be silent, but he cried out all the more, have mercy on me. And verse 49, I think, is one of the most beautiful pictures of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Bartimaeus has continued to cry out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stopped. Jesus stopped on his journey of one of the greatest events of all of, of all of human history, Jesus stopped. He was willing to have his incredible quest, if you call it that, his incredible journey to Calvary interrupted by a blind beggar who cried out, Son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus stopped. Bartimaeus, who was calling Jesus, hoping this is my last chance. We know the end of the story. This actually was Bartimaeus' final chance to get the attention of Jesus. And Jesus stopped. The one I was calling is now calling me. 
Jesus stopped and said, call him, verse 49. And they, awkward, the same people who were just saying, shut up, Bartimaeus, are now saying, hey, he's calling you. Bartimaeus, get up. Get up out of the dust. He is calling you. He says, take heart. Take heart, Bartimaeus. Get up. The Lord of all creation is calling you. The Lord of all creation is calling you. How many times in life do you feel like no one hears you? How many times in your life do you feel like your employer maybe doesn't hear your great ideas? Or maybe you go home and you feel like your family doesn't hear you or value you. There is a God in heaven, though creator of all things, knows you intimately and stops for you every time. Maybe for one person here today, that's a comfort just to get you through this Tuesday. But there's a God who loves you. There's a God who knows your name. And there's a God who stops and says, call him, call her. I want to relate with that person. And they said, call him. Verse 50, and throwing off his cloak, he sprang up and came to Jesus. When I first read this, and maybe you're thinking it now, what's up with this cloak? Upon first reading, I thought maybe it was because Bartimaeus sat all day. So he had this big, you remember those huggies? You guys remember, is that what they were called? The Snuggies? The blankets like had sleeves. It's like you could be a couch potato all day and you never had to get up. You had this big blanket that was gonna keep you warm and you could like still do your remote through it. You guys remember those? Okay, I thought maybe it was like that. Maybe Bartimaeus had this big coat just to keep him warm. And in order to run to Jesus, he had to throw this cloak off. But upon further study, which I did study for this sermon, I found out, and this is so fascinating to me, this cloak that Bartimaeus threw off was most likely a government-issued cloak that would have given him the right to beg on the side of the road. It would have been a badge for him that the government has said, this man is in fact blind and he is in fact allowed to beg on the side of the road. So put in context of the sermon, this cloak, friends, represents Bartimaeus's very livelihood. This, Bartimaeus, this cloak that Bartimaeus is wearing was the only way that he had the right to receive money to buy food or to pay for a room to put his head down that night. This cloak represented Bartimaeus' ability to survive. So with that in mind, verse 50, and throwing off that cloak. Bartimaeus threw off the very thing that the world said could sustain him. But you know what the cloak couldn't do? The cloak couldn't make Bartimaeus see. Nothing on this earth, friends, will ever satisfy your deepest need. No cloak, no matter who it is assigned by, will ever make Bartimaeus see. But Jesus says, son of David, have mercy on me because my confession of need is actually my expression of worship. I know you can meet my deepest need. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna revere you as the Messiah of all. Verse 51, 
we're really wrapping up our story now. Verse 51, and Jesus said to him, what do you want me to do for you? In the context of Mark, I hope your Bibles are open. Look at verse 35 with me from Mark chapter 10. So just go 20 verses up and look at Mark chapter 10, verse 35. Remember the question that Jesus just asked Bartimaeus. Verse 35, Mark chapter 10. And Jesus, oh, and James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came up to him, Jesus, and said to him, Teacher, we want you to do for us whatever we ask of you. And he said to them, What do you want me to do for you? And listen to their response. Verse 37, Mark chapter 10. And they said to him, Grant us to sit, one at your right hand and one at your left, in your glory. Bartimaeus stands in direct contrast to the response of James and John. When Jesus said, what do you want me to do for you, James and John? They said, we want to receive glory and honor. Jesus, we see that you've got glory, so let us sit on your right and left hand. Silly James and John. Bartimaeus, when Jesus asks, what do you want me to do for you? He says, what does he say? Verse 51, Rabboni, let me recover my sight. Rabboni means my Lord my master. Two times it's used in scripture. One time is here, Mark chapter 10. The other, John chapter 20, when Mary thinks that she's talking to a gardener, remember this, but in fact she's talking to the risen Lord, and she doesn't recognize, she doesn't recognize Jesus as the risen Lord until he calls her by name and says, Mary, and she falls at his feet and says, Rabboni, my Lord, my master. Bartimaeus says, my Lord, my master, let me recover my sight. I have a need and you are a need meter. But every great healing story takes a willing need-er. And Bartimaeus was a willing need-er. He confessed his need, which allowed him to express his worship. Verse 52, as we conclude our story, And Jesus said to him, go your way, your faith has made you well. And immediately, Mark's favorite word, and immediately he recovered his sight and followed Jesus on the way. True faith, true faith, friends, is acknowledging Jesus as the only one who is sovereign over the whole universe, including your own life. God so loved the world, God so loves you. Your faith has made you well, Bartimaeus, because you rightly recognized me as the Messiah. And the only way, friends, Bartimaeus was able to recognize Jesus as the Messiah was because he had a right, a good view of himself as one who could do nothing on his own. How often do I try to live life, do ministry, lead a family, be a good husband, be a good son? How often do I strive to do those things on my own? How often do I think that I am self-sufficient and that I actually don't need Jesus? I needed him on the day of my salvation. I needed Jesus to not go to hell 
But how often do I then say, I've got it from here. I've got a, I've got a Christmas, I have a Christmas Eve service to plan. I'm, I'm, I've got this. I'm experienced. 24 years old, I'm experienced. I can do this on my own. Jesus, I'll call you if I need you. What the text shows us is that in order to faithfully follow Jesus, to live a life that's going to bear fruit, John 15, we have to be abiding in Christ, acknowledging that he is our only sustainer, our only rock, our only need meter. So where are you today on this Tuesday? I see head nods, which I think means that maybe for at least some of you, there's some areas of our lives that we think that we're self-sufficient and that we try to strive to carry the burdens of teaching, to try to carry the burdens of ministry, to try to carry the burden of getting a job, hello, after we graduate. How often do we try to carry those burdens on our own? But Mark interrupts one of the most incredible narratives, one of the most important narratives of all time. We get a man who is named where no other man or woman is named. We get a man who sees Jesus as the Messiah without ever actually seeing him until the very end as Messiah. We get a man who calls Jesus Rabboni for only the second time in all of the Gospels. And we get a man who rightly confessed his own need, which turned into his expression of worship. One more time, our confession of need is our expression of worship. Would you pray with me? God, you are the God over all creation. You span the universe with your fingers. You are holy, holy, holy above all else, yet you stop and you know each one of us intimately. But God, how often do we think that we can live this life without you? So God, I pray for this very moment, for this very Tuesday, God, by your spirit, would you convict us of the places that we falsely believe that we are self-sufficient. God, because when we acknowledge our need to you, when we confess, God, our need to you, we are rightly expressing our praise of worship to you. Because our confession of need, God, is our expression of worship. So would our lives be a reasonable and pleasing sacrifice to you? Because God, we need thee every hour. I need thee every hour. For you are the sustainer of all things and you give life. And it's in your holy son's name who stops for us. Amen and amen.